When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Paddle Powwow, your inside look into the world of paddle in Australia and around the world. In 2023, we're rolling out 10 episodes once a month of the Paddle Powwow podcast. The aim of the podcast is to provide some general information and bring some awareness to the fastest growing sport in the world, paddle. We also want to provide some news, results and general useful and useless information to the existing Australian paddle community. We'll cover off what's happening with paddle around the country, interview players, operators, and shine a light on the much-needed new venues to grow our sport. What is paddle? Paddle is best described as a cross between tennis, squash, and badminton. It's played on a 20 by 10 meter enclosed court with a glass back and corner panels. Tennis scoring with an underarm serve, all competitive matches are doubles. The ball can be played off the glass and the cage with so many long rallies and incredible trick shots, it's a lot of fun to watch and play. In paddle, strategy is more important than power, it's easy to play, but hard to master. Welcome to the first 2023 podcast of Paddle Power Wow. Today, we're gonna to be talking about many things across paddle in Australia. Uh, but before we get too far involved, probably should introduce the guy sitting next to me. He's Matt Burrell. Everyone who knows paddle knows him. He's the godfather of paddle in Australia uh, with a long, rich history of bringing the sport to life as we know it today. Matt first saw Paddle in the south of France many years ago, fell in love and uh, has had a passion to grow the sport in Australia ever since. Matt, how am I doing? Is that pretty close? <laughs> Thanks, Matt. That's a, uh, that's a fair introduction. I'm not sure if I'm the godfather. You could call me Don Burrell if you'd like to for future <laughs> reference, but yeah. And I'm talking to Matt Levy over here as well. Thanks, Matt, for the, the kind introduction. Yeah, my journey of Paddle started, I was in the south of France playing a bit of tennis over there. I was done with my corporate career, got together with a couple of the Swedish tennis players and took a trip over to Spain where we couldn't believe the amount of religious experiences known as paddle going on around tennis centres and, and in and about sports centres there. So this was probably about 10 years ago now. On the back of that, we came back to the south of France. We set a little club up just above Monaco there in Beausoleil, a little town up there. And a lot of the tennis players, particularly the Swedes, and myself started playing a bit of paddle. From there, I came back to Australia. Again, we had no clubs here and no players. If there's no clubs, there's no players. And I set a club up with a guy called Matty Thomas, the third Matty, over there at um, near the Sydney Cricket Ground. So we set a little club up there, a two-court club. And then from that point, the demand of paddles now catching up with our enthusiasm for it. So... It's become a very serious sport now and on the big stage around the world now, it's, it's become a huge sport. So I'm just lucky to be involved from the beginning. Love playing paddle myself and have a hit probably two or three times a week. Amazing. Geez, I think it's a little bit more than luck. A few questions from that, actually. One of which is, I'm a bit surprised it was only 10 years ago you first saw paddle. When did you set up the first club? How long ago was that? We set the club up in Australia 2015. We set a few other clubs up overseas before, one in Birmingham, England, one in the south of Italy in Genoa on the back of an ATP challenger there, and also the French club. In Australia, we set that up in 2015. 
with Omri Leconte, the famous French tennis player. Omri was fantastic, actually. And the idea there was to bridge the idea of tennis players being involved with paddle as well, because it's an easy crossover for tennis players. You get tennis players, squash players, general fitness fanatics, people who want a bit, bit of access to fitness once or twice a week, all coming in to play paddle. So yeah, we set the club up there in 2015 and we've moved from there. Did you ever imagine, I'm sure you did because you're a bit of a visionary, did you ever imagine how big paddle was going to become? Like was there ever a doubt or did you think, oh, I'm just going to set these clubs up for myself and my friends and, you know, if we have a bit of fun, that's great. What was what was the original vision? Yeah, that's a good question actually. We set the first club up in, in Australia in Sydney because there was nowhere to play paddle and we needed a place to play. I had a few mates and I was rambling on to them about this new sport. They're all ex-tennis players and squash players, thinking I was a bit crazy talking about it. I had a PowerPoint presentation out to show councils. I had a YouTube videos of some of these crazy points where players go out of cage and the rally continues on and, and everyone's smiling on the court. I guess I had the, had the bug to play and wanted to get more people involved with it. I knew from the experience over in Spain and South America that it was going to be a, a huge sport in Australia. It makes sense to Australians being outdoor. We love our sport. We love our tennis. We're very competitive. It's super fun. And it just our climate's absolutely perfect for it. So I knew it would take effect eventually. It took a bit longer than we thought initially. These waves of demand now are coming in from South America, Europe, Asia. It's absolutely going bananas now in terms of the sport. It's Australia's now catching up and, and we're going to go forward now in a big way, I think. Well, for the listeners who um, don't know a lot about paddle, maybe it's worth mentioning that, that paddle actually originated quite some time ago in, in Mexico in 1969. And it progressively spread through South America, particularly Spain and Argentina, where today there's an estimated oh, 20,000 courts. Europe's probably caught in the paddle boom the strongest at the moment. South America, you know, a real notable mention to Sweden for just an explosion of courts, nearly a thousand courts just in Sweden alone. Paddle is really a global sport. It's played across 90 countries, doubled in the past three years. It's actually even making a bid to become recognised as an Olympic sport in the 2032 Games held right here in Brisbane. 25 million paddle players in the world. But by comparison, Matt, you know, you talk about 2015 and, and the slow growth. We've got 25 courts in Australia and, and only about 10,000 players. Am I right? I'd say about five to 6,000. I call it active players, but there'll be about 10,000 players in terms of passive players as well. So yeah, you end up with 10,000 people who have picked up, played paddle before uh, in Australia right now. Remember also, Matt, there's a whole contingent of players here. When I say players, tourists have come over, expats coming back from overseas, but also during the summer season in Australia, we, we get double the amount of players here based on the fact that South Americans, Brazilians from South America, Spanish from Europe, Italians, French, Swedes, as you mentioned before, many of the Asian continent coming into Australia as well, who played powder before because there's a huge wave in the Middle East and Asia coming through. You might get up to 20,000 players coming through temporarily, but I'd say there's probably five to 10,000 fixed regular-ish players in Australia right now. And the hope is to grow that out. Within five to seven years, we should be 100,000 players there. And you mentioned the clubs, 25 courts right now. Break that down for us. Who have we got in terms of clubs right now? Right, yeah. So we've got the original club in Sydney. That's actually called Paddle Sydney. That's relocated over to Epping now, Epping Road now in North Ride. They've got four courts there and they're undergoing a large redevelopment project and maybe put some more courts in. Yeah, Scott Riley's done a terrific job there of increasing the footprint there and he's going to keep driving that club forward. He's got another club coming forward as well, I think, in the future. A couple more clubs coming 
coming through as well. Second club is called Paddle Indoor. They've got four courts indoor, two outdoor. Again, Jow's running that with Katarina. They're looking at uh, expanding out there as well. So that's the second club at the moment. We've got Roscoe in the Gold Coast. Roscoe's got four courts there. That's within a tennis club of KDV, which is probably the largest private academy, I guess, tennis academy you could say in Australia. So Roscoe's built out from two courts, now four courts there, and he's always looking to expand out as demand's picked up there as well. And he's nearing capacity at the moment as the third club there. We've got two clubs in Perth, one called Paddle West and one called Paddle Perth. Again, two courts and three courts there. Paddle Perth's contained within... The tennis club of Rehobold, a more traditional grass court club there. So again, Pat are working in closely with tennis. And then we've got the last club at the moment, Australia, which is the club you're running, Maddie, you're involved with there. So it might be good a good time to give a quick introduction about yourself and your background, including your club there in Melbourne. God, I was hoping you weren't going to forget our club. That's right. I'm... Uh... <laughs> the owner-operator of Game for Paddle Australia Docklands facility, which which originally a lot of people know as One Paddle. That's how we started. I'm a newcomer to, to paddle as a sport. 2020 is the first time I even heard about paddle. Clients of mine contacted me and asked for an engineer to try and have a look at a new project. And they showed me as, as a builder saying, you know, could you provide some engineering comps for this? And I took a look at it and, and uh, was instantly sort of, really enchanted by the idea of what this could be. I've uh, got a history of tennis coaching and running tennis clubs before, before going into building. So it was such a synergy to to look at this and think, wow, this is this is really something. Very quickly said, I'll, I'll help you with the engineering, but I want to buy in. And so I was lucky enough to buy in while it was still in a concept stage. And here we are almost three years later. I sort of designed the courts, brought them over, built them at the Docklands venue. We're up and running and, and since... December 31, we've been partially bought out by Andy Murray's investment company, Game for Paddle, the UK's fastest growing paddle company. So we are now Game for Paddle Australia. So that's, uh, you know, an exciting journey and transition from tennis coach to builder to paddle tennis extraordinaire, let's say. <laughs> that's that's basically uh, how, how it all came about. Matty, another couple of quick questions for you on that. Where do you see the growth in Australia for being an operator yourself now and an owner of a club? Where do you see the growth going? Where do you see the market going? How would you look at capturing that growth? Would you work in with other tennis clubs around the area? Are you looking to expand the brand of Game for Paddle? Obviously with Andy Murray attached to that. And I've seen some of the amazing promotions going on overseas with Game for Paddle. I've seen it at the Westfield shopping centers with our own our own entrepreneurs over there with Westfields, Frank Lowe and the guys. And I've seen also Game for Paddle tying in with lots of other tennis celebrities as well and other celebrities. Where do you see it going in Australia? It's an exciting space, right? Even as you know, Tennis Australia come on board as the governing body because they can see some real growth and expansion of paddle and, and it being a complementary sport to tennis. We personally at Game for Paddle are, are certainly looking to expand. Probably up the East Coast is, is the first place where there's some opportunities for growth, including more clubs in Melbourne. But, you know, it, it could very quickly move outside of Australia there's there's not a paddle tennis court in New Zealand yet that's that's obviously an opportunity too so yeah look I, I think as you said prior it's it's really going to be an exciting space and we personally hope to grow and a lot of the other operators who you know already just got their one venue are seeing opportunities to to move into their second and third venues and to be honest we need the growth you know for the sport to grow we need venues you know we're all ears we get we get a, quite a few inquiries but um we're all ears for tennis clubs or warehouses or spaces that would make great 
paddle clubs because that's that's how we're going to grow the sport. That's a great point, Matty. People often ask me, how would I go about setting up a paddle club? You get the question too regularly now. I get it daily. Everyone's heard about paddle. They've heard about pickleball as well. We'll deal with the differences in that in, in a second, I guess. But the way forward for a paddle club is generally in a warehouse where you can control the whole situation yourself via another sport like a golf club or a bowling green. For example, where there's space, the particular hurdle for growth in Australia has been about getting good quality sites with long tenure where you can get a longer lease. So as a business owner, which is what you are when you own a, when you own a paddle club, a paddle business effectively, you need sort of five to 10 years minimum on your lease with a rollover capability there. So that's why tennis clubs have generally been approached. Say you've got a six-quarter and eight-court tennis club. There may be two courts, for example, at the back of the tennis club or a bit of room on the side of the tennis club. You can expand your lease over that footprint. And two tennis courts equals four paddle courts and a mini clubhouse. And we're seeing quite a few tennis clubs now chat to us about adding a club within a club. A bit like you could have a sort of a Starbucks within a hotel or something like that, whereby you have a club, a paddle club could sublease the space off the tennis club and they would roll over with the lease of the tennis club at the same time to protect your longevity there as a business. And tennis members would get a discount to become paddle members as well. And it'd be seen to be another, almost another program or another sport within the realms of a tennis club. And that's exactly what they did at Rehoboth Tennis Club in Perth. And that's also with Paddle Perth and also what they did with Paddle Sydney at Tennis World in North Ride there with Scott Riley. So that's the other avenue going forward, I think. And we see that around the world now in Spain, I would say two-thirds of the tennis clubs would have some sort of paddle installation there now, sometimes owned by the tennis club, sometimes separate operator with a sublease arrangement. But either way, seems to be the way paddle clubs are getting footprint around the world. It's an interesting point, actually. We were speaking off air. You know, I'm speaking to you from Bali, and uh, you were just really excited about different approach that Bali's taking to paddle. You know, do you want to speak on on that? Like, how are they turning them into paddle clubs in Bali? Yeah, my mind's been blown. I've I've done a bit of a sort of semi-work research trip over here. There's worse places to be than Bali for that, obviously. They've really cracked it here. So they've got paddle centres set up here now with, say, four courts, being the club I was at the last couple of days. I was training with one of the best players out of Japan. He's moved over here for a training block to get better and better, which may not be good news for the Aussies going forward. But... It's an easy place to get your frozes as well. But the model here with the clubs is there'll be a paddle club. They'll set up an environment where you spend the entire day there. So there'll be an area where you can do some work on your laptop, air conditioning, high-speed high Wi-Fi. There'll be a healthy cafe there, go in line with the health aspects of paddle in the first place. There'll be an ice bath set up. There'll be a sauna set up. So there'll be like a wellness center attached to the paddle club and a cafe and general area like a plunge pool or a pool lying around. So you can really spend the whole day there. So you see the whole family coming out here like a resort style setting. You spend the day there, you play some paddle for an hour or two, you get some coaching, you eat some food, you take an ice bath, you take a sauna, you swim around the pool and you really spend the whole day here. So that leisure approach or wellness approach, I think, is the way forward. And I think that's where the world's going generally. Bali yeah. seems to be at the forefront. Yeah. They've got one club now, but they've got 10 in various forms of not just design, but construction. So within six to 12 months here, there'll be 10 clubs operating here in Bali, all along the same lines as those health aspects attached to the paddle clubs. That's why paddle's taken a grip around the world so fast because they're forward moving with their software. They plug in four people into a game through software, split the bill on the app. And the wellness aspects are where it's all going, going forward, because People aren't just here to play. The social aspect of paddle is the key thing. And if you plug into that, 
a bit of a gym session as well, sit by the pool during the day, have some food there. You end up with a whole day, a whole day of fun. And uh, paddle is just one part of that, but it seems to be the linchpin of where these things are going now. We're talking a lot as if everyone knows exactly what paddle is and, and all the rest of it, probably taking that for granted a little bit. But often when I get approached and I speak about paddle and what I'm doing in paddle, they say, I think I've seen it. Um, people call it pickleball, right? And I say, no, no, it's not pickleball, it's it's paddle. And so, you know, that's that's an educational piece because pickleball is also, you know, on the rise, different sport, uh, very different, but still probably worth mentioning the differences between pickle and paddle. And maybe also, have you got any sort of vision of pickle over in Bali? There's no pickle here that I can see. Pickle originated with a guy throwing a wiffle ball around with his dog called Pickle, which I thought was a really cool story. Beats the story of Paddle, where how Paddle started, which was a, a Mexican man who didn't have enough room for a tennis court, and he put some chicken wire up to create the cage area and created a bit of a small tennis court. He hit it off the sides as well because he liked a bit of squash, I think, time. So different originations of how the sport started. With Pickle, it seems to be the higher age demographic. It's not really a fitness element to it as much as paddle is. So for example, in Florida, you see 3,000 courts within a layout of a couple of hundred kilometers there. So you get four or five resorts together next door to each other, golf resorts and, and retiree style resorts. You see a lot of people playing pickleball there. It's not quite as active in terms of paddle. Paddle's more three-dimensional. Some are very intelligent, maybe, and yourself mentioned to me that if paddle is chess, pickle is checkers, there's a lot more out to it. If squash meets tennis, if the ball goes past, you've got a chance to hit it again. So the rallies go a lot longer. Pickles is large, super large in the US, and they've got major associations rolling out now, professional associations, major league teams going up around the US and Canada right now for pickle. Um, Paddles more South America, Europe, and now Asia. The startup costs are a lot less in pickle. The enjoyment factor, and this is a Paddle Power show, so I have to plug Paddle over pickle, obviously, but the entertainment, laugh, fun factor, plus the development side of paddle is a lot longer because there's always something new to learn. If you've played tennis before, you'd normally jump straight across into paddle and you're probably the best candidate of all sports coming from tennis to beat up on the other, your other friends in other sports. So whether you've played squash or tennis before, they're the two main ones coming into, into paddle but and the fitness crowd. But I feel like the tennis players get the best head start going into, into paddle because of the volley and because they've got clean hand-eye coordination when it comes to hitting a ball off a bat. So, yeah, that's what's happening in pickle versus paddle in my world anyway. Yeah, it's interesting. Tennis Australia, as you know, well know, uh, has recently become the governing body for paddle and investing in the growth of the sport. Transversely, they haven't invested in pickle. That I think that wasn't all their choice, but I feel like as a competitive format, paddle has much more scope, much more opportunity for growth and maybe even pathways for players. I couldn't see anybody growing up being a pure pickleball player seems to be you know you'll play a career in tennis or or maybe squash I don't know and then you might take up pickle as a secondary or complementary but in five years or more I can see people just starting playing paddle and that's it they'll just be pure paddle players with an aim to become professional paddle players in Australia so that alone gives you a bit of an idea of the depth of the game and the scope for uh, you know a pathway certainly does and you touched on something interesting then as well with the tennis australia investment profile i used to run the paddle federation in australia and we merged that into tennis as a brother sister sport if you like two separate sports within one and we're often asked about that as well how does paddle differentiate itself from tennis now is it uh, a program within tennis the answer is no paddle is a separate sport 
like BMX is part of the cycling association, I guess, or futsal, which is a very large participation sport around the world, some say larger than soccer itself now, is also part of FIFA, the world governing body of soccer or football, as they call it overseas. That's where paddles at within within tennis. So it's a brother-sister relationship. There's a lot of leveraging between the two that can take place. One great example is the Aussie Open. And I want to ask you a quick question about that. I know you set you set that club up, up at the Aussie Open. I was there each day having a great time with you. That was an amazing tournament, big money tournament going on as well. But the exposure of paddle to the Aussie Open, which is the largest event on the calendar for tennis by a mile, and I think it's the largest event in the world during January. Uh, tell me a bit about that, how that, how that set up worked over there and the success yeah. of it. Yeah, it's funny you should say that. You've just redeemed yourself there, Maddie. I was going to say I'm having a hard time keeping you on task, but right on cue, you came to the APO because that's something we have to talk about today. The Australian Paddle Open, which, yeah, Tennis Australia launched the first ever professional paddle tournament in Australia with $25,000 prize money and, you know, international entrance, which was, you know, a huge day for um, paddle in Australia, wasn't it? Aside from the APO, Tennis Australia have reported that they had almost 5,000 participants try the sport during the tournament. So, you know, that's just rackets in hand for people who've never seen or played paddle. Where it was set up on the grounds was right at the Garden Square entrance, so you couldn't help but walk past. And you know yourself, paddle is a great spectacle. So as people were lining up watching, there would have been Oh, there would have been well and truly more than a hundred thousand eyes on paddle during the Australian Open. But maybe, yeah, let's let's talk about the APO. So the level of play, the winners, anything else that you think might be noteworthy? Yeah, sure was. Um, I played it myself, which was humbling experience for me. Got a good first-hand education on an international tournament that way. I played a few overseas before. It was highly professional. We had about twenty different countries sending teams across, which is a fantastic. Uh, kick off for our inaugural event for the Australian Paddle Open. And we had international points available too. So FIP is a governing body, Federation of International Paddle, as I keep calling it, but I keep being corrected by the local Aussie saying paddle. We'll have that discussion point next month, maybe. The Swedes came out, one of the top Swedish teams came out and cleaned up. They beat out the local number one team in Australia, which was Tim Brown and Yarrick in the final. Yeah, it was a fantastic tournament. We started the tournament at the game for paddle club in the Docklands there, which is the only club at the moment where you can have a hit in paddle. So that was a fantastic exposure, I guess you could say, for the area and the club there. You guys did a great job and made it super professional. And you run the tournament last year on the Australian Paddle Tour, which we'll get to in a second as well. But that was a really, really good showcase for the sport. And we'll only go from strength to strength in years going forward, I think. Hey, what about the level of play for the girls' tournament as well? It was amazing. We're blessed in Australia with a lot of the ladies from overseas who are now parked in Australia, whether Argentinian, Spanish, Italians, French, Portuguese. We've got a few local Aussies too that do exceptionally well. So we've got a really rich uh, talent pool and high level with the Aussie ladies at the moment in terms of the tournament level play here. That was fantastic. And we got some great exposure through the media partnerships with Channel 9. Yeah, it was an all-round successful tournament and the exposure was super high. And your point before, Matt, about the 5,000 new tryers of paddle, those 5,000 people who tried paddle, some tried more than once as well. They often circulate back around and get back onto the court again and it gets pretty addictive fast. They all flow, when you do the Aussie Open once a year, obviously, they all flow into a, and that's where this wave of demand's coming from, which is driving all the new clubs coming up. 
and it, again we should be on about 30 clubs i'd imagine in the next three to four years would be would be my guess if i had to take one they've been that's been driven by the demand and it's a good example is those five thousand. to run a successful club you only need a couple of hundred say a four-court club you probably need about 300 or 400 to 500 players there um, after that you need to build more courts because you can't get a court in the peak periods those 5,000 would fill up all of those clubs that are currently available a couple of times over. So there's definitely more demand than supply of courts right now, which is back to the site situation and finding great sites to service this demand coming in. You were talking before about the paddle clubs in Bali, how they've adopted this whole wellness type package, you know, everything very on trend and, and Instagrammable. It's Asahi bowls, it's, you know, cold plunge pools, it's peacocking by the gym and paddle has slipped itself in there somehow. What about the uptake of celebrities, sports stars and athletes in paddle that we're seeing that is probably helping to drive this trend? What do you, what do you think about that, Matt? Definitely driving the trend. I know in Italy, for example, when there was only one club, I think, in Rome, Francesco Totti, the famous football player, had a game of paddle, put it up online, Instagram, and suddenly we've got 30 clubs in Rome within 12 months later. It became a huge thing. Um, I was watching Drive to Survive last night, that Netflix program, which is fantastic on Formula One driving. And I reckon there was more in the promos behind the scenes of paddle interaction than there is any other sport. It would be second behind Grand Prix itself. So Even the football players, right, during the World Cup, they were playing, you know, underground paddle tournament you know, a lot of these multi-million dollar players who if they ever got injured, Jesus would be the end of them. But they were they were playing a, a paddle tournament for money behind the scenes during the World Cup. Which clubs, Matty, do you know of as in large scale mega clubs, Liverpool style clubs? I know there's a few of those floating around who are paddle clubs set up as sort of the secondary fun slash warm down sport. The players love it. Part of their recreation time. And, and yeah, a lot of these big mega football clubs have paddle venues at the club now, which hopefully this is you know where we're heading in Australia as well. We know from even your own business, Andy Murray's involved. He's a celebrity in his own right, obviously. We know David Beckham likes to hit a paddle. Zlatan Ibrimovic, so he's got he's got like a hundred and something million followers. He's one of the, I think he's the biggest guy there is on on Instagram, Kardashians, and then 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 he's next up to up to bat. He's top ten. He's got paddle centers flying out everywhere at the moment through Sweden and Europe. Um, Omri Lacant, we mentioned before. We attached ourselves to him to get the sport going. Game for paddle investor is Virgil Van Dyke, the uh, you know the football player over there as well. So there's another another soccer player. So there's a whole host of celebrities now involved, and that's not because of product placement deals where the sports ask them to play. They're playing naturally. That's part of the organic nature of this sport. It's a easy to play. You pick up a racket, off you go. Anyone can play, and you can play right up until you're in your nineties. Everyone's playing it from kids up. And I know Tennis Australia see it as a, a way in which you can get a racket into your hand. There's no strings involved, so there's no top spin or serving overarm. So it's easier for kids to pick up originally, get you on the tennis pathway, play a bit of paddle, play a bit of tennis. It doesn't ruin your tennis. It actually enhances certain elements of it. And you get a lot of cross promotion going back and forth from tennis into paddle and definitely paddle back into tennis again. It gives you a love for, for racket sports back again. Totally. And I think that's what Tennis Australia sees as a, as a major benefit, bringing in new people to the sport and then hopefully getting a bit of cross-pollination there and, and you know, breathing some new life into tennis. Okay, I think that's probably all we've got time for today. I think we covered off quite a bit more than we we're expecting to today, actually. Went from one topic to the next. But 
Next month, we'll look to bring on one of the paddle operators in Australia who's made the transition from tennis club to paddle club and what it takes to run a successful paddle club. It'd be good to get some insights from him. But thanks for tuning in. Hopefully you enjoyed what you heard today. Probably my closing thoughts would be the growth of paddle in Australia relies on more operators, more venues and and more clubs getting on board, et cetera, to grow this sport. So, you know, if you're a tennis enthusiast and you think, geez, this could be for our club, we'd love to hear from you. Or if you just think I've got a great city that has an amazing outlook for for paddle you know we'd love to hear from you as well so for more information you know you can contact info at gameforpaddle.com.au and send us an email and we'll certainly get back to you the first serve is your home of tennis at thefirstserve.com.au log on to find out all the details of our live radio show other podcasts read weekly features by our team of writers and follow us on social media facebook twitter instagram tiktok and subscribe to our YouTube channel.